listening to the Louisiana Literature Podcast. I'm Pike Malinowski. Is it possible to be a Marxist writer in the 21st century? If the product you create, books, are being commodified in a way that makes you skeptical of their ability to change anything. This may sound like a strangely specific theoretical question, but for the best-selling Irish writer Sally Rooney, it's a real dilemma. I'm very skeptical of the way in which books are marketed as commodities, like almost like accessories which people can fill their homes with, like beautiful items that you can fill your shelves with and therefore become a sort of book person. I guess the reason that I feel skeptical of all that is because it makes me feel that books have no potential to speak truth to power. Despite her own skepticism, Rooney has been hailed as the first great millennial novelist for her stories of love and late capitalism, introducing a new generation of readers to the Marxist framework she sees the world through. In this interview, recorded backstage at the Louisiana Literature Festival in 2018, she talks about social class and the struggle to escape the transactional framework of capitalism. Essentially, the writer sells them the product, which is cultured existence in the form of a commodity, and the commodity is a book. And people can purchase this book and therefore purchase their way into a seemingly cultured class. And that all of the money that changes hands in the book industry is actually just people, people paying to belong to a class of people who read books. Um, yeah, and that is something that I, that I definitely f worry about and feel um, implicated in, because I do think a huge amount of the cultural world, first of all, that there is a large extent to which it involves sealing off the appointed cultural producers from normal life, like by, you know, festivals and <laughs> events and um, like dinner parties and book launches, um, that this world, that the economic and cultural backing of this world is a way of taking writers from their background, whatever it may be, and making them part of a special class, which is somewhat fenced off from like normal life as it proceeds in the outside world. Um, I, I, and I'm very skeptical of that process. And I'm very skeptical of the way in which books are marketed as commodities, like almost like accessories, which people can fill their homes with, like beautiful items that you can fill your shelves with and therefore become a sort of book person. Um, I guess the reason that I feel skeptical of all that is because it makes me feel that books have no potential to speak truth to power. They have no, they have no potential as political um, texts because of the role they play in the, in the culture economy. That's already predetermined how people are going to read them. So even if the book is full of Marxist propaganda, it's still sealed off from any real political uh, potential because of its position as a commodity in this, in this market. In my own life, um, the way that I think about the world that we live in is probably through, mostly through a sort of Marxist framework. And I'm never quite sure how to make that way of thinking sit alongside the fiction that I write. I don't know what it means to write a Marxist novel. I don't know, and I would love to know. Um, so even though that's the sort of analytical structure that helps me to make sense of the world around me, I can't necessarily always accommodate that structure in the form of a novel. Um, so it's kind of something that I, that I struggle with and that I think about a lot when I'm writing. And one way that it, um, that it influences my work is that I write a lot about social class. 
Um, but I don't think there's a straightforward way of doing that. I mean, I guess you could say that the idea of a Marxist novel probably has to do with writing about, um, you know, working class characters. And certainly that is one approach to, the, to a socialist novel. And I think it's, it's obviously very important, but it also raises important questions about what do we understand the working class to mean. The people that I write about um, tend to be kind of precariously situated in the economy. Um, like they're usually college educated, like I am, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are financially stable or secure. Um, and again, I mean, that just goes back to writing about this, the world that I encountered when I came out of college, when I had enough of a developed brain to notice what I was seeing around me. Those were the only tools, the only material that I could draw on to make sense of, um, to use in a, in a book. So it's difficult for me to try and, um, to try and make sense of the way that I approach social class in my books and the way that I try to approach it in my, in my life, like in my critical or analytical life. Um, but it is something that's very important to me. And I think what's, what's really important and sort of the best I can do is to try and um, observe how class as a very broad social structure impacts our personal and intimate lives. Like how do we carry material realities and economic realities into our interpersonal relationships and one way is through commodities i mean how important commodities and items of physical objects become to us a sense of ownership over objects a sense of possession also um the transactional nature of relationships how it's so difficult to escape the transactional framework of capitalism which dominates you know our our whole existence, how difficult it is to escape that framework when it comes to our personal lives, how difficult it is to get outside a transactional way of thinking and try and build intimacy with other people that isn't dependent on sort of a notion of buying and selling. I came to politics as I, as I think a lot of young women do through feminism, sort of um, seeing myself at the centre of the political world and believing everything revolved around me and therefore noticing that because I was a woman, <laughs> gender was a very important political phenomenon. And I think it, and I still think that it is. But through that kind of shallow understanding of feminism that I'm still very much working on trying to deepen in some way, seeing um, female independence as being a very important goal of the feminist movement and, and just uncritically accepting that idea, um, the, the female individual, the independent woman, as being the sort of political unit that we should strive to emancipate in some sense. Um, and now I just don't believe that anymore. I don't, I don't believe in the idea of um, ind independent people. I don't, I don't believe that anyone is independent from anyone because um, the more that I think about how our world is structured, we all rely on each other's labour all the time. I mean, for the food we eat, for the clothes that we wear, somebody has to make them, somebody has to farm the food, somebody has to, you know, pick the crops and all of that is happening so that we can have the lives that we have. So, Part of it is happening for me on that structural level, that it's understanding that my life is sustained by the work of other people all the time. So to, to believe in myself as an individual or as, as an independent person, it just seems like delusional. Like I'm not independent. <laughs> independent from what? I mean, I'm, my life is only sustained by my position within all these networks that I belong to, you know, whether I like it or not. Um, that's human life. It's not sustainable otherwise. We all rely on each other. So, so I guess that that's happening on one level, which is the, the very big general level. And then to try and make that work 
in a microscopic sense, like it works in novels, is to try and observe just how much one person can change one person. To try and show that even on that level, the individual is never really the individual. You're always a culmination of the influence of others. And then I guess that's part of what a novel can do, is take an idea like that, which people might say, okay, sure, yeah, people can change each other. I mean, maybe I have no objection to it. But illustrating it and dramatizing it and making it real so that at the end of the book, the person is saying, oh, okay, yeah, this makes sense in a new way, maybe. Um, it's not just that I know that it's technically true or it's intellectually true, it's I feel it to be like emotionally true. I've seen it happen. Because if from the beginning of the book, if you believe that these people are real and at the end of the book, you still believe in their reality, whatever kind of reality that is, then you you've been made to go with that idea in a different way and to watch it actually happening and playing out. And so your belief in it has changed by the end of the book. I, I guess that's kind of, I don't know. And, I, I, and that isn't to say that I think the point of a novel is to illustrate an idea or to hammer home an idea. Certainly not, in my case, an ideological idea, because that's not really what I do. But I suppose I do want to, to allow people to see an idea that maybe everyone believes to be true anyway. I mean, everyone probably believes we can change each other. But to play it out so that it doesn't just seem real, it actually feels real. Sally Rooney visited Louisiana Literature Festival in 2018, where she was interviewed by Katrine Chemerinsky. The interview was edited by Roxanne Bergeschirin Lerkesen and produced by Christian Lund. You've been listening to the Louisiana Literature Podcast from the Louisiana Channel. Original music for this podcast is made by Bob Pounding. Associate producer is Esther Kongstel. You can watch and listen to hundreds of other interviews with great writers and artists from all over the world at the Louisiana Channel. That's channel.louisiana.dk. I'm Pike Malinowski. Thanks for listening.